Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown-up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there and welcome. I am so glad that you're joining me today because I am happy to get to share one of my favorite people with you, and that is Erica Wright. Now, if you've been around a while, you know that this is part of a series of conversations that Erica and I had, and the first couple of those are featured in episodes 150, 151, and 152. Erica is a relationship coach and a connected communication specialist, and I'm going to let her tell you all about what she does when we dive into her talk, but I just want to let you guys know our previous conversations were a little bit more structured with some practical steps to follow and just kind of checklist type things, so this episode is definitely practical as well. And I would say it's more of a free flow around the idea of feeling all the feels. In this first part, we're talking about letting ourselves feel all the feels because we can't share with our middle schoolers what we don't have ourselves. And the very first thing that we have to do, whether we're parenting or teaching middle schoolers, is manage ourselves. So we're discussing what it looks like to really own our own emotions and let our people own theirs as well. In the next episode, you're going to want to catch that because Erica and I are talking about helping our middle schoolers feel all of their own feels. So we've got lots to talk about, friends. Let's dive in. I am so excited to welcome Erica Wright back onto the podcast. And today we're going to be talking about something that when I first had a conversation with her, she said this phrase and I had never heard anyone other than me say this phrase. So I was immediately like, oh my gosh, we use the same language around this. And that is feeling all the feels. I say that a lot. I'm letting myself feel all the feels or she's feeling all the feels. That is what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast, which is letting our teens feel all their feels, letting ourselves feel all our feels and what that looks like and why it is so very important. So Erica, welcome. Tell us again a little bit about what it is that you do, and then we'll go from there. So happy to be back. And yes, feeling all the feels, one of my favorite things. My name is Erica Wright, and I work with couples and individuals to communicate in a way that allows them both to feel seen and heard and appreciated and respected in their relationship. Really diving in deep to what it takes to build a connected, conscious relationship. Right. And the reason that I initially invited you onto the podcast is because that resonated so much with me in the context of relationships with our teens, because yes. so much of what you talk about and share is totally applicable to how we communicate and connect with our teens. 
so much of my focus is on romantic partnerships, but truly it's that family dynamic that is in my heart and what I'm after to transform in the world. And when a couple can be connected and model conscious communication, then it's like the kids can also step into that world with them. And of course you can, these tools are all transferable and can be used in any relationship. And I think we've even talked about a little bit, a lot of times your clients come to you thinking that it's about their romantic life. Yes. But it's much more holistic than that. Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I do work with a lot of moms in particular, of course, the romantic relationship, but yeah, parent-child relationship is usually where I go next and just examining all the dynamics of it. There's so many different variables of relation, even just a four-person family. It's like the parent-parent, parent-child, parent-other child, child-child, right? We're looking at all these crisscrosses, (laughs) right? The core of my mission is just giving families the tools that they need to be connected. Right. And that's what I love, just the practicality of the things that you've shared with us so far on the episodes that you've been with me on previously. And today, as we're talking about feeling all the feels, I think Mm -hmm. as we were prepping for this episode, Mm -hmm. you made a statement that I think I audibly gasped and Ooh, it yep. hurt my heart even. Yes, so you did. Why don't you tell our listeners <laughs> what exactly it was that you said? Yes, I will say this and I will preface it with, if you have said this, no parent shame is required. None, um, no shame. Because again, these tools just aren't taught. We're just modeling what we've seen and heard. And it is not our fault that we don't know. But now that you're in this stepping into the space with us, yes, you can start to take responsibility for the things that are said. As okay. my Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. Right? Yes, exactly. That's all that this is about. Just don't even worry about it if you've said this, but now you know, and it's a growth point. What I said was that, and for me too, I was just sharing, oh, this just hurts my heart is a parent saying you're not listening right now. And therefore you're making mommy sad and, <gasps> Again, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> and you're making mommy sad. If you are wondering why I were reacting the way we're reacting, it's because our kids don't make us feel anything. We're responsible for our emotions. So I'm going to let you go. You dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the bread and butter of what I start to examine is looking at where do our emotions come from and whether we're feeling happy or sad. And, and it's so easy to point a finger and blame at an external circumstance or a person or something that was said. But when we really start to examine where our emotions and feelings come from, they come from our thoughts. They come from our belief systems. And I'll give you a little example just so you can see how this plays out. So say you had asked them to do the dishes after cooking or whatever it was, and a teen's probably cooking. I don't know about your toddler, but (laughs) maybe. So they just leave the kitchen a complete mess Mm -hmm. and you walk into the kitchen, you can feel the heat in your face and you're just like, oh, the rage in your chest, whatever it is for you when you're feeling all your feels. And then what happens next? What happens next is, so there's that circumstance. You see the kitchen a mess. Even that is a story. There are different dishes on the counter. That's a true neutral circumstance. Okay. There are dishes on the counter and you're pretty sure that your teen left them there. (laughs) Okay. So that's the neutral circumstance. Then you have a thought about it. Your thoughts probably go like this, that darn kid, so disrespectful, never listens. And then maybe it goes, oh gosh, I'm an inadequate mom. I can't even get my kid to clean up. This is all just a mess, whatever it is. This whole stream of thoughts come out. 
And I'm yeah. going to jump in here too. Sometimes I would say for me, the feelings, maybe either it's happening simultaneously with the thought, or it's maybe even a little bit ahead of the thought, but it is, I think sometimes the thoughts and feelings there are head to head. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the moment, you mm-hmm. will probably notice your feelings before mm-hmm. your thoughts. Right. People go back and forth on this, right. but there's some people that say even in the micro micro moment, there is a thought right that precedes the feeling. But what can also happen that this is, again, I'm such a habit person. We get our habits is that we can train ourselves to have an automatic bodily reaction to something. Say the kitchen's been left a mess 10 times in a row. Yes. That emotion, that feel might actually precede the thought, but it's because you've trained your body and brain to work that way. (laughs) So when we first saw a dirty kitchen and we were maybe five years old, we didn't have the same response we're having now. No. (laughs) Right. Your thoughts do train your emotions. They can become automatic. And in the moment that feel is going to be strong. And then it is going to be important to check out the thoughts you're having around it. Those thoughts are that is what's having you feel, let's just say, disrespected, angry, outraged, whatever it may be. It's not the dishes on the counter. It's not your teen. Right. It's your thoughts and your feelings. And the meaning you're making about it. Here's for me, I don't mind mess. I'm the one leaving the dishes on the counter, right? I was going to say me too. (laughs) So my experience of dishes on the counter is so different from say my mom's experience of dishes on the counter, right? Because I have a different set of thoughts about the dishes on the counter. It's not the person. It's not the circumstance. It's your belief systems and thoughts about it that are responsible Mm -hmm. for these emotions. Right. And I would even say as a parent, if you're talking about you've told a teen to do something, Mm -hmm. it's not even about the dishes. It's about you didn't follow through and do what I asked you to do. So that's a piece of it. And I think being able to step into that moment with a neutral energy or neutral Mm -hmm. mindset is really hard to do. This is all easier said than done. (laughs) Right. But I will say in those circumstances, it has happened a lot where I've had the freak out of you haven't done what I asked you to do. And then I find out there's some extenuating circumstance or information that I don't have yet. That totally makes sense where it totally deescalates how I'm feeling, changes how I'm thinking. For instance, in that dishes example, let's say there was a friend down the street that needed help and called and whatever, and your kid ran out the door to go assist. Mm -hmm. That would make you have a whole different set of thoughts and a whole different set of emotions if you knew the whole picture. So the assuming will definitely get the best of you. I'll just ask you as a mom, if your kid doesn't do what you ask them to do, what do you sometimes make that mean about them and then about yourself as a mom? Oh gosh, for me, I think, especially when it comes to chores and things like that, if it's something they haven't done, I unfortunately have a martyr habit of, I have to do everything around here oh, yeah. and you know, nobody's listening and they forgot about it or they chose to do something else instead yeah. of doing what I asked them to those kinds of things. I will say, I think it sounds like you and I are very similar. I have a very high mess tolerance. tolerance yeah. And I also feel like, and this goes back a little bit to something we talked about in the episode where we were talking about coming back in the repair process. And that mm-hmm. is what I've learned with my kids is to give them a very liberal time frame. 
it's Monday. I really need you to have done your laundry by Wednesday. It's Sunday night. I really need you to have cleaned the kitchen by Tuesday morning. Because I found for me, my feelings of martyrdom and resentment, which I do not enjoy feeling those things and they're my responsibility. So I just try to orchestrate things so that it gives them control of the timing, but it's still accomplishing what I feel like needs to be done. Even sharing why can be so helpful for a kid because then it helps them make sense. It's not because I said so. There's a deeper why here. Exactly. In fact, it's funny you're saying that because as you were giving the dishes example and saying you have a high mess tolerance too, I was recently having a conversation with a friend and she does not have a high mess tolerance, but I did not realize Mm. until she shared it was because she grew up in a lot of chaos as a kid. And so having things clean and straight and all those kinds of things was part of her feeling safe and comfortable and able to function. Her expectations of her kids she was sharing were very different and sometimes problematic because that was one of her core needs. The surface level why of cleaning up the kitchen might be, well, because I'm having guests over and I need the space clear to do cooking, right? That's surface level. But really when we look at a level deeper, especially on physical order, it's usually does trigger a trauma response sometimes from childhood. That's true for quite a few people in my life. Yeah. (laughs) So when you can understand and empathize with, whoa, it's not just because mom said so. And this is the thing where where's the line of sharing how much you share with your kid of I'm traumatized from childhood, but you could share. I feel when I see that mess, I feel really off, dysregulated. You'll have to kind of discover how far do you share? Maybe when they get older too, you can let them in more on your experience if you have that awareness of yourself. Right. Another piece I will say, and I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but I do think it's worth sharing that one question that I've been able to use with my kids that has mm. been oh so helpful in the, yeah. these kind of situations where I've asked them to do something, whatever it is, cleaning or mm-hmm. otherwise, and they have not stepped up to do it. Um, a question that I will sometimes ask is what is keeping you from, mm. and then Curtis, cause that turns their brain on their brain yeah. like looking for a solution to that answer to that question. And it puts the onus of the solution on them. Their brain is forced yeah. to think about well, what is keeping me from doing that. Yes. I love that rather than a critical comment where that right. attacks their character. That's beautiful to have that, that question. Just to bring us back in. Yeah, feeling all the feels. Feeling all the feels. I know we talked a little bit. So that example of making sure our kids are not responsible for our emotions. Yes. That's huge. And then also, I think sometimes it can be really scary for us as parents to watch our kids experiencing emotions Mm -hmm. where we don't know what to do. So let's talk Mm. a little bit about that. This translates also into adult relationships. When you're watching someone you care about, your child or even your partner experience strong emotion, that because of our belief systems, what we've been taught around emotion that, oh no, you're just supposed to be happy and good all the time. Bad emotions or strong emotions are bad or scary or whatever it is. We can experience a discomfort around our child having discomfort or a partner having discomfort. Typically, again, these are just not tools that are taught, but we'll try to comfort or quell or shift by saying, oh, you're fine. It's no big deal. You're okay. You don't need to feel that way. You don't need to be sad anymore. It sounds comforting, but 
it is a form of gaslighting. You're not validating their experience. No, they're scared right now. And especially for a kid. And it's totally okay and understandable why they're scared right now. A younger child, if they're walking along and a dog rushes by or something and scares them, you know, the dog's not a threat, but to their little tiny body, it's like, oh my God, like this wild animal, like, it's like right, a monster. Just, it's such it's a fine. shock. In those moments, instead of saying, oh no, you're fine. You don't need to be sad from the toolbox I've gathered is you can just say, hey, wow, I see you're really scared right now. That's okay. For sure. And the other thing I would say that I think fits with this, I think with teens, especially it can yeah. be very easy to invalidate their feelings because they're teens, because they're younger and they haven't seen how bad things can really be or how hard things really are, that kind of thing. And so I would say even as teens start to date mm. or as they start to have more complex friendships and yeah feelings are hurt or there's that first breakup or whatever, teens feel all of those feelings oh, the yes. same way that we do. It's just that a lot of times it's the first time they're feeling it, which to me makes it even harder. If you think that through, it's unfamiliar in addition to being painful. I think holding that space for remembering everything they're feeling is valid and it's just the first time that whole idea of puppy love. It's not as serious because you're only 15 or whatever right. is not true. And that can be very traumatizing, really, if that's the support or lack thereof that your teens are getting. So you want to be really careful to validate and not allow minimize and allow that full stream of emotion to come out too. Teaching them that it's not a scary thing. Like it's okay to have yeah. that full roller coaster and it's completely normal. This is completely normal. And yes, it's hard. And yeah, definitely high school years. I feel like for me anyway, and my friends, that's where emotions really started to get kind of shut down. And there's a protection mechanism that starts to go up. I feel like in those years, because rejection starts happening. Of course, there's mean kids all the time, but really like in high school, oof. And I would back that up even to middle school now. They're experiencing rejection, abandonment, and heartbreak, and these really real things. And in that space where it's like your peer group, it kind of is you're in or you're out. And if you get outed, it really could it's feel brutal. Like Brutal. Yes. Speaking from experience. <laughs> yes. Likewise. I think we all, yeah. could, I mean, I don't know many people who would look back and say, oh, my middle school experience was great. Or I loved high school. Looking back for me too, I learned that if I didn't express my feelings or didn't really show what I was really feeling, that I was more likely to be accepted and included. Oh, Say that again. Ooh, yeah. So if I shut down my emotions externally, yes, I was feeling all the feels on the inside, but if I didn't express that externally, and I use this term codependent cool girl, because that's really, I wound up being this codependent cool girl, like, oh, everything's fine. Totally chill. Going with the flow. You said you were going to invite me to that thing. And then you just didn't. Oh, I'm just totally fine. I was self-sacrificing for the sake of hanging on to that external connection, acceptance in the friend group. I mean, it's like a tribe. And I feel like too, I know you and I, before we started recording, we're talking a little bit about Brene Brown and the, her mantra really that be awkward, brave, and kind is kind of the mm. antithesis of what you're talking about. Yeah. But I think even as adults, we do that 
in order yeah. to just go with the flow and to not be vulnerable to protect. It's that wall right. of protection, like you talked about. So totally. being able to express what we're feeling and feel safe, or at least just feel brave to be able yeah. to do it. That is a huge thing for us yes. as adults yes, and to be able to model for our teens. Absolutely. Being able to fully express your emotion. And again, this all starts with childhood stuff and attachment styles and making sure your kids feel safe expressing their full spectrum of emotion. Because as soon as they start to feel unsafe or they're shamed for it or told it's wrong, they will start shutting down just like I did. That's a recipe for well, <laughs> and And I do think though, it's fair to say that at least I feel this way for my kids. Mm -hmm. I know that they're going to be in situations where it's not safe to be yeah. that vulnerable, mm -hmm. but because I know that those situations are out there, I want them to have that safety in our home. So it's kind of their home base, but then yeah. also give them tools to help them recognize when it's not safe and when it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That discernment. Right. Definitely. There's all sorts of layers to vulnerability, right? It ties right into asking to have your needs met, asking yeah. for what asking you want, for what you need. Exactly. Right. Cause if you're feeling some flavor of awful, there's some sort of need that's not being met that you could ask for it. And that was my experience. I would not get invited to something or get shut down or whatever it was. And instead of saying, Hey, that hurt my feelings or whatever it was, I would just pretend like it was all great. It was all good. And yeah. then suffer in silence. <laughs> right. And when that happened, like emotions getting shut down at home, mm -hmm. I think, and we talked a little bit about this again, before we started recording, I think for us, I'm not sure how you felt growing up, but I know for me, our parents didn't have the tools to be no. able to talk about this. And no, and I yeah. think it's so developmentally appropriate for teens to react, be very reactive emotionally. Yeah. But then for those emotions to be a tangled ball yeah. mess where maybe they can't pick up the thread and say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. So they yeah. don't have trouble identifying it. And I know for my parents, they just wanted to solve it. Yes. Right? And fix so, it, get back so, to happy. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times it was, don't feel that way. Don't feel mm -hmm. that way. And so then I would feel like, how do I even, how do I not <laughs> feel that right. way. It was just this hard place of feeling like I wasn't allowed to feel that way. And maybe there's something wrong with me because I do. And why can't I right. stop? And that whole thing with our teens, I know one of the things, and, and actually I started this when they were really little is trying to give them language around, okay, it looks like you're feeling really sad, or it looks like you're feeling really jealous right now of your friend who has that, or it looks like you're feeling whatever and try yeah. to give them language around identifying that feeling and emotion so that I feel like when you name it, you can move through it. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just have to sit there with it. Thank you so, so much, Erica. I enjoy my time with her so, so much guys. And I hope that you have too. And I just want to remind everyone that you can find links to Erica and all her resources in the show notes for this episode at theishgirl.com forward slash EP 153. Now, you can also sign up from that show notes page to be notified when registration for my free masterclass opens. That is going to be available in April. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Okay, friends. 
Thank you again for hanging out today. As always, it is a privilege to be in your earbuds. And from an ish girl who is so excited that our clocks spring forward this weekend, hello sunshine in the evenings. I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together. 